Greetings and welcome to Faith in the Word with Pastor Cecil Holloway. It is with great pleasure to announce Pastor Holloway is now a published author. His very first book entitled The Servant Leadership, A Solution in Conflict Management. Whether parenting, education, career-related, or faith-based environment, this book will help sharpen leadership skills and essential for coaching and developing. Grab your copy today, Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, and Walmart.com. The Law, Part 6. We're going to continue on to identify who is the destroyer. Uh, Let's go to Galatians chapter 3. Let's put our eyes on verse 13. But before we go there, let's go to, uh, this is not on the slides, guys. Uh, Let's go to John chapter 10. John chapter 10, verse 10. And it reads, The thief cometh not, but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The thief cometh not, but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Galatians chapter 3. Verse uh, 13. All right. Christ has redeemed us. The anointed one and his anointing has redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Read on. So that the blessings of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through the faith of God. Amen. Christ has redeemed us from the curse so that the blessing. What is the curse? The curse is you are damned, you are doomed, you are destined or assigned for destruction. That's the curse. The curse is You are damned, doomed, destined, or assigned for destruction. That is the curse. So that's why no believer in Christ should ever say, God damn. Because you're saying that the curse belongs to God. So when you say, God damn, about a situation, you know, if your car's not working, you know, first day in the morning, you try to get to work. Your car won't start. You say, God damn car. You say your car is damned. It is doomed. It is destined for destruction. And then you put God on it. So you call 
you call the curse a blessing. So we won't do that, right? If a car won't stop, speak to your car. Speak the blessings on your car. Come on up here, brother. I need, yeah, I need for you to be because the crowd is a little, little, little hostile tonight. <laughs> I, need, I, need, I need some protections. <laughs> All right. So we don't, we don't goddamn anything because God don't damn nothing. He doesn't damn anything. He doesn't, he don't curse anything. So why are we associating God with the curse? All right. Paul says over in the Corinthians, this is how you can tell, uh, paraphrasing, this is how you can tell someone is preaching by the spirit of God because they will never associate Jesus with the curse. If someone preaching, they associate Jesus with the curse, like, you know, some sickness, it was God's will and stuff. They're not speaking about the spirit of God. Because we never associate the curse with God. God is. Because in that John 10, 10, we just read, the thief cometh to steal, kill, and destroy. He said, but I come to give you life and more abundantly. Zoe, Z-O-E, the God kind of life. So the curse. And we just read, <laughs> Christ has redeemed us from the curse. So if he has redeemed us from the curse. Why are we associating the curse with the Father? So we won't use God damn anymore, right? Right, class? Well, you know. You have some carnal-minded Christians. Yeah. You know. You know, you late at night and you get up and trying to go to the bathroom, you hit that baby toe. You don't say, Well, praise the Lord, thank you, Jesus. You say, God damn. You just curse your little baby toe. <laughs> Amen. Well, we we supposed to say, well, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. But. <laughs> yeah, you can, yeah, you can say, ouch. Or, oh, me. Okay, now the blessing. What is the blessing? The blessing is divine empowerment. Favor. Destined to succeed. And you're going to understand from tonight's teaching why I'm going this way, because uh, a lot of Christians always associate God with the curse. You know, they write books about it. They preach about it. They have TV program associating God with the curse. But the blessing is divine empowerment, favor. Destined to succeed through the empowerment of God. That's the blessing. Remember Mount Gerzim and Mount Ebal. Mount Ebal is the curse. Mount Gerzim is the blessing. Now, let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 28, starting with verse 15. Now we're going to get into the, uh, the crux of the teaching tonight. Because who is the destroyer? Well, we just saw, we just read from John 10, 10. Jesus said that the thief cometh to steal, kill, and to destroy. 
But now look at this. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 15. But it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe, to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. So it says if we don't hearken to the voice of God and to observe to do all his commandments, his statute, we can read this like, it's like if we don't do these things, then God is going to put a curse on us. Because <laughs> he said all these curses should come upon thee and overtake thee. Go to verse 22. Now, here we go. We see, now, see, 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 Pastor, see, look, look. It says, the Lord shall smite thee. That's an interesting word there, smite. We're going to get into that. The Lord shall smite thee with a consumption because we didn't obey, we didn't observe. So now these curses. So now we see here, the Lord, we're talking about the curse is going to come upon us. The Lord shall smite thee with a consumption and with a fever. And with an inflammation and with extreme burning and with the sword and with blasting and with mildew. And they shall pursue thee until thy perish. Wow. Just because we didn't obey, God's going to smite us. Fever, inflammation, a burning, extreme burning, not just burning. But extreme burning. We got a little mildew in there <laughs> with a sword and a blasting. And then and it says uh, those things are going to pursue after until we, are, until we perish. Yeah. Go to verse 27. And the Lord will smite thee with the botch of Egypt. Ooh. <laughs> Egyptian botch. Ooh. God going to smite us with the botch of Egypt, and with the emeralds. Everybody know what emeralds are? Hemorrhoids. Ooh. <laughs> you remember in the Old Testament when the uh, Philistine, they stole the Ark of the Covenant, and they couldn't find the Ark of the Covenant, and by stealing the Ark of the Covenant, then they, all the Philistines had hemorrhoids. I don't know if you ever had hemorrhoids, but they, that's, that's not a blessing. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's that's a curse. All right. So they say God going, you know, because you don't obey and you don't keep his statue. He's going to give you hemorrhoids. Preparation H won't be able to help you. <laughs> and with the hemorrhoids and with the scab Ooh. and with the itch. Ooh, all this is smiting. Whereof thou cannot be healed. What? We won't. <laughs> you can't even get healed from this stuff when the Lord smites you. So we don't want God to smite us, smitten us. <laughs> Verse 28. And the Lord shall smite thee with madness and blindness and astonishment of heart. And then verse 35. And the Lord shall smite thee in the knees. He's going to get you in your knees. 
You don't want to obey him and keep his commandments. God going to get you your knees. And in the legs. So you're like, oh, you know, you're going, he, he won't get my knees. He'll get your legs. Get your legs was connected to your knees. With a sore botch that cannot be healed. Wait, I thought Jesus was our healer. And here God is smiting us with all this stuff. And from the sole of thy foot until the top of thy head. The curse. The curse is where you're damned, doomed, destined, or signed for destruction. Now we see here from these verses here, these different verses in Deuteronomy 28, we see where God is smiting thee. All right, with all these curses. And it looks like, on the surface, it looks like that God is uh, bringing these sickness and disease on people. You know? All right? But we just read John 10.10. Jesus said, the thief cometh to steal, kill, and destroy. I come to give you life and more abundantly. So this is where people get confused. And their, and their confusion comes from the pulpit because either through religion or not spiritually discerning or rightly dis, uh, uh, dividing the word of God, we, we will preach those, those type of things. That, you know, if you don't do right, God's going to get you. He's going to put the itch on you. The scabs. Get you your knees. You better serve God. So now if God is cursing people with sickness and poverty because they obey him not or if they are living for him then that's when people become confused okay that's where they become confused you have to you have to realize something in the old testament when you study in the old testament there are certain uh, words that are used in the uh, causative form, okay, or the permissive form. That means certain things in the scripture, you have to study it out in the Hebrew. It is, it is causative, it is caused, or it is caused by God, or it is permitted by God, or it is allowed by God, okay? Because... Uh, there's no, uh, in, in one of the little Johns, it says that God is light and there is no darkness in him. So God doesn't have sickness and disease inside of him. He's just waiting for you to not act right so he can put the itch on you. There's no sickness and disease in God. There's no sickness and disease in heaven. Stella's not getting her heavenly health insurance plan. There's no sickness and disease in heaven. There's no poverty in heaven. That's why in Matthew chapter 6, it talks about that outline of how to pray. We're supposed to pray that the kingdom of God will be manifested here in the kingdom of, of, of the earth. There's no sickness and disease. But see, if you read these scriptures, you think, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, Pastor. It says the Lord is going to smite us with all those things. 
That's what we have to rightly divide the word and get a little deep in this. Now, let's go to Exodus 12. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Exodus chapter 12. <coughs> so when we're studying this out about the blessings and the curse, uh, the curses, the question should be, who get what? Who gets the blessings and who gets the curses? Okay? Who get what when we study this? Here in Exodus chapter 12, verse 11, and it reads, uh, this is when uh, God is getting ready to deliver ancient Israel out of the bondage of Egypt. And uh, this is right before they get ready to leave. All right. And here it says, and thus shall you eat, <coughs> excuse me, with the loins girded, <coughs> excuse me, your loins girded, your shoes on your feet and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Verse 12. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, now look at this. This, what we get ready to see, read right now, is the definition of smite. When we just read in Deuteronomy, it said how the Lord would smite this, smite that, and all these things are going to come with you. Look at this. He said, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. This is the, when he, we see smite, that's in the uh, permissive form. He says, because they did this and did that, I'm going to execute judgment. So the smite that we read in Deuteronomy, that's talking about God is executing his judgment. Okay? And I will execute judgment. Because I am the Lord. Now here, we see here, um, when he talks about uh, he will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. This is the curse. The curse will come upon individuals after God has executed his judgment. It is not God bringing about the curse upon them. The curse is evident because of his judgment. Okay, y'all stay. We're going to go somewhere. <coughs> Let's go to uh, verse 22. Because God's judgment comes, then comes the curse. But who is bringing about the curse? It's not God. 
Because God doesn't have any curses inside of him. To God doesn't have a sickness or disease to put on us. But now look at this. When God executes his judgment, someone else is bringing about the curse in our lives. Exodus 12, 22. And you should take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and strike the lentil. You know, talk about the Passover, the, the blood over there so that the death angels can pass. Strike the lentil, <coughs> excuse me, in the side post with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out after the door of his house until the morning. So God is giving them instructions. This is a form of obeying, observing, doing God's will. If you, what he says, if you observe and obey and do what I say, the blessings will come upon you. But if you don't, then I have to execute my judgment. Then once I execute my judgment, okay, go to verse 23. For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians, and when he seeth the blood upon the lintel and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer who? The destroyer. Who is the destroyer? Hello. We just read it, John 10, 10. Jesus said the thief cometh. Who's the thief? Who's the great deceiver? He is the destroyer. So when God executes his judgment, and God is very long-suffering in executing his judgment, and God is unwilling too. He's not happy when he has to execute his judgment. So it's not God that is pronouncing the curses on you, now that gives the enemy permission to bring the curse. And I will not suffer the destroyer. This is, this is in the permissive form here. He, he is going to allow. God doesn't want this to happen to none of us. But what we fail to realize as Christians and believers that, you know, especially here in America, you know, we always want to promote God's love. He's love. He's love. Yeah, he is love. He, he's, he's love. He's love. Well, he's also a righteous judge. He's a righteous judge. And by him being a righteous judge, when he executes judgment, he is demonstrating his love. So he said, I will not suffer. I will not allow the destroyer to come into your house. Now, what we met, remember, we read in Deuteronomy. He said, the Lord smite, the Lord smite. If you read that, we're thinking God is doing the smite. But look what he said. Well, he, he allowed the destroyer to come into your house to smite you. It ain't God doing the smiting. It's the enemy. It's the destroyer. And you have allowed him to come into your house to smite you because you have disobeyed God. And so when we disobey God, God has to execute his judgment. Oh, 
Okay, stay with me. I'm going to say, it's going to get good, really. really. It's, yeah, good or good. He executed judgment to allow the destroyer to bring the curse. God passes judgment to allow the destroyer access that doesn't, that doesn't please God. When that happens in our life, that doesn't please God. God is not pleased. When he executes judgment to allow the destroyer to access, this doesn't please him, and he does it unwillingly. God is not happy when he has to execute his judgment in our life. That's why he's long, so he wants us. He, that's why he, he sends individuals your way to, to minister to you and try to tell you you need to repent and come get right with God and, and repent and seek God and turn from your way because he doesn't want to execute judgment. He's not happy in executing judgment. So he does it unwillingly. He's, he's not excited to execute judgment upon because he knows by executing judgment that will allow the enemy to bring the curse. Yeah. Nehemiah chapter 9. Now, this is, this is where we have to, you have to really understand and know what faith is. Because you know, faith is believing the heart and confess with the mouth. So in a lot of, in some cases, not a lot, in some cases, we bring the execution of judgment on our lives based on our mouths. Goddamn! Now you're not supposed to say that. Don't say that. Tell me what to say. Uh-oh. God can execute judgment. Because he brought somebody along your way to say, don't say that. Repent. Can't tell me what to say. I'm grown. I say what I want to say. Now let's look at Nehemiah. Excuse me. Let me, let me take a, a water break here. It's hot in here, y'all. It's warm. No, my paper is flat. Yeah. Did we pay our uh, air conditioner bill this month? Oh. Mm. Yeah, I've I been saying it for years. These air conditioners can't take this heat when it gets hot. Oh! He's going to execute judgment. Yeah. <laughs> Forgive me, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you read about that? Okay. Uh, Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 20. Thou gave us also thy good spirit to instruct them. <laughs> Withheld us not thy manner from their mouth, and gave them water for their thirst. Talking about the children of Israel when they was in the wilderness. He said, it says, God, you gave them a good spirit. You gave them water. You gave them bread. They didn't have to cook it. They didn't have to look for it. God gave it to them. That's the blessing. Read on. Yea, 40 years did I sustain them in the wilderness. 
so they lack nothing. Their clothes wax not old, and their feet swell not. So some of y'all got some, you know, swollen feet. Might be some judgment being executed. <laughs> read on, read on. Moreover, thou gavest them kingdoms and nations. They look, oh, this is the blessing. Did is divide them into corners so they possessed the land of Siom and the land of the king of Heshbon and the land of Ah, king of Bashan. Their children also multiplied thou as the stars of heaven and brought them into the land concerning which thou hadst promised to their fathers that they should go in to possess it. So the children went in and possessed the land. Thou subduest before them the inhabitants of the land. The Canaanites gave them into their hand. Look, that's just the blessing. They succeeded into their hand with their kings and the people of the land that they might do with them as they would. And they took strong cities in the fat land, possessed houses full of all goods, wells, dig, vineyards, olive yards, fruit trees in abundance. So they did eat and were filled and became fat and delighted themselves in thy great goodness. Nevertheless, <laughs> nevertheless, they were disobedient and rebel against thee, talking about God, and cast our law behind their backs and slew their prophets. They killed their preachers, their pastors which testify against them to turn them into thee. And they wrought great provocation. They provoked the Lord. Therefore thou delivered them into the hands of their enemies, who vexed them in the time of their trouble, when they cried unto thee. Thou heardest them from heaven, and according to thy manifold mercy, thou gavest them Savior, who saved them out of the land of their enemy. Look at, look at goodness of God. But after they had rest, they turned it back on God. They got rid of their preachers. They rebelled. Then they cried out to the Lord because the enemies were overtaking them. And God came back and took care of them and delivered them. But, and, but after they rest, they did evil again before thee. Therefore, leftest thou them in the hand of their enemies so, they, so that they had the dominion over them. Yet when they returned and cried unto thee, thou heardest them from heaven, and many times didst thou deliver them according to thy mercies. Now what's going on here? Satan wants to bring the curses into your life. Sadly to say, the devil knows how spiritual things work more so than Christians do. And the devil knows that to bring the curses in your life, Satan will use your testimony to get judgment against you. Give you an example. Brother Jeff Hall, he's an attorney. One of the best attorneys in Kentucky. Graduated from what? Brandeis Law School. 
you you legal, you got your you passed the bar and all that good stuff. Awesome attorney. All right. I get in, I get into some trouble. I said, Jeff, you gotta defend me, brother. He looks over my case. Oh brother, I got you covered. This is this is this is a win-win. We go into the courtroom. Jeff's brilliant attorney. He already let me know I got this. You, no problem. You just, we go in the courtroom, let me take care of everything. Judge come in. Everybody rise. Okay? We all rise. And the case get ready to start. And I jump up before Jeff and say, Your Honor, I did it. Jeff said, what are you doing? <laughs> Shut up, be quiet. I did it, Your Honor. I did it. What would be the judge's executed judgment by me standing up saying that? Don't care how smart this brother is, great attorney, what would the judge say? You got a fool for an attorney. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be guilty, right? And then he would have to do. Please, yeah, he's going to have to give me a punishment. I don't care how smart Jeff is. He graduated top of his class. He even informed me. I got this, see, so don't worry about it. We just walk in. Let me do my thing. But I jump up and I say, tell the judge and everybody in the courtroom, I did it. I'm guilty. What do you think that judge would have to do? According to the law, He's got to take in my guilty plea and then have to sentence me. That's what a lot of you Christians do in the realm of the spirit. The scripture said Jesus is our advocate, our mediator. Christ has redeemed you from the curse of the law. Jesus said, I got this. The enemy comes, give you a little pain. Uh -uh. I'm sick. Jesus said, be quiet. Say what I tell you what to say. Mm. By his strength, I'm sick! Man. I'm sick! Wow. Now, judgment has to be executed. And guess what? Now that cancer is manifesting. Because the scripture said Jesus is the high priest, he's the apostle of our confession. Homologale. And Jesus said, plead not guilty. Well, how can I do that, Jesus? My blood, my anointing has redeemed you from the curse of the law. So I don't care how great my attorney can be. If I do not submit unto him. And let him plead my case. And I jump up and say, I'm guilty. And that's what Christians do all the time. From the word. That's why you have to understand faith. Because the devil is using our testimony to bring judgment upon us. Your attorney, your attorney is only as good if his client keep his mouth shut 
and follow his direction. Jeff is only going to be a good attorney to me if I keep my mouth shut and do what he tells me what to do. He tells me, go in that courtroom, sit down, and shut up, don't say nothing. You can't tell me what to do. Yeah, he can't tell me. My life is on the line. What, whatever you need for me to do, brother. I don't have a problem with submission. Ooh, y'all gonna get that next week. You got a problem with submission. Hey, I could have got you off, but no, you want to go in the courtroom running your mouth. And I could have got you off. Jesus is saying, I could have took care of that cancer, but no. You had to call up your mama, your auntie, tell them all this stuff. And I'm telling you to say, by my stripes, you are healed. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. But no. And the reason why we struggle is because we have a problem with submission. That's the word of God and being led by the spirit. So Jesus is the apostle of our confession. He's the mediator and the intercessor. That word intercessor is a legal term. He's the advocate. He's our attorney. He's the high priest of our confession. He is constantly interceding on us. He is our attorney in the spiritual courtroom. And what's so awesome about this, <coughs> that he's our attorney, and not only he's our attorney, that's our brother. And the judge is his daddy, who is our daddy too. So when we go in there, and the devil start accusing us because the scripture says Satan is the accuser of what? The brethren. Only thing we just have to do is just sit there and let our elder brother speak for us. And Jesus would stand up and say, this is my client. Who's my brother? Who's your son? It's set up for us to win. The judge is our daddy. My attorney is my brother. So when the devil come and accuse us, we just allow our big brother to intercede for us. Intercede on our behalf to our father. But you start running your mouth, not realizing that the enemy is waiting on to get your testimony to bring about judgment. And once God, because he's a God, he's a just God, just judge. Once that, even though, let's look at it as a natural. Even though my, the judge is, is my biological father, and Jeff is my attorney, even though he is my blood kin, if he is a man of integrity, he has to execute the law, right? Yes. Even though he might like, 
Son, won't you listen to your attorney? Shut up. Mm-hmm. He still have to execute the law. That's the way our father is. When you don't want to speak what the word says, you speak contrary to what the word says. The enemy's trying to get your testimony to execute judgment. And God is a just judge. And even though he died for you, Jesus died for you, he loves you. He's a just judge. He has to allow the enemy to bring the curse. So the devil is always trying to build a case against us. Now, let's go to Job 9. Now, we, we, we see this in the book of Job. We get a great demonstration of this in the book of Job. But, uh, keep your finger there. Go to Hebrews. I don't want y'all to think, oh. He just making up this spiritual court. There ain't no spiritual courtroom. <laughs> oh. Spiritual courtroom. Go to Hebrews chapter 6. Are y'all seeing this? Now you see why we have to guard our mouths? <laughs> the devil wants to, he, he's listening to our testimony. So God can execute a judgment. Because he knows, he, said he knows once the father execute that judgment, oh, now I can bring the curse. <coughs> Excuse me. Have you found Hebrews 6? Uh, put you out of the verse 12. Uh, that you be not slothful, lazy, but follow them through faith and patience and heard the promise. For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. Okay, that's why in the courtroom, we, before you take the stand to testify, you swear by the Bible. Because you're saying that the Bible, the word of God is higher than me. So that's why you swear by it. And, and by you doing that, that's telling everyone in that courtroom by you swearing by the word of God is higher than you, that you will not lie, that will end all strife. There'll be no strife. Because you swore that I'm, I'm going to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Now, this is what, this is what Father God did in the realm of the spirit. <clears throat> Verse 16, for men verily swear... By the greater oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife, wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise 
Okay, this is God showing his to us. We are the heirs of promise. The immutability or unchanging of his counsel or his testimony confirmed it by an oath. So here God is swearing by himself that he cannot lie. So that ends strife between us, between us and God. Because now he's swearing by himself in the holy spiritual courtroom of heaven. He swear, and he swears, like, like in the natural, we put our hands on the Bible. God is putting his hand on himself. That by two immutable things, God cannot lie. What are those two immutable things? The word of God and the blood of Jesus. Amen. So he's swearing by the word of God and the blood of Jesus, I will keep my promise. Now look at this. Verse 18, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, <laughs> we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul. Now our soul is anchored by God swaying by himself by those are two mutable things, now our soulish realm can be anchored. What's the purpose of anchor of a ship? An anchor is put out in a ship to cause it to be stable. I don't care how big that ship is. You put that anchor in. Once that anchor go down to the bottom and hit, now that ship is not going nowhere. That's where our soul, he said, by understanding this, that God swore by himself. That by two immutable things, God cannot lie. That can now become an anchor of our soul. Whereby now we can trust God. But in trusting God, you got to be led by the spirit. And if the spirit tells you to shut your mouth. <laughs> prime example of that in my first marriage when I got a Got a divorce. I wasn't saved then. I just got recently born again around that time. And um, my ex-wife was suing me for custody of my two sons. And I just got born again. And you know how when you get born again, you just hear God 24-7. I mean, you don't have time yet to have that distance. And I remember the Lord spoke to me. He said, uh, you want your children? He said, yes, Lord, I want my son. He said, you go into that courtroom, keep your mouth shut, and you walk out with your kids. I didn't know any Greek. I didn't know any Hebrew. I didn't know. I, did. I was born again. I had an encounter with God. And so I went into that courtroom and I had, I had an attorney and everything. She had her attorney and stuff. And I was sitting there, you know, and the Lord said, just keep your mouth shut. And I kept my mouth shut. <clears throat> and as the proceedings were getting ready to wind up, the judge said to her, he said three times. And that's Lord, let me know. That's the Father, Son and the Holy Ghost. He asked her, he said, are you sure you do not want full custody of your children? She said, no. He asked her a second time. Are you sure you don't want full custody? She said, no. Third time. Are you sure? She said, no. He said, well, I execute a judgment that Mr. Holloway, you have full custody of your kids. Got out left there. I said, look at God. Now, just think if I was just, you know, you know, coming with my black power mindset. 
tell me, man. I'm a man. You know, uh, you know what a true man is? A man who listens and obey God. That's a true man. Who know how to hear from God. And not only you hear from God, but you obey what the spirit is telling you to do. That's a true man. A man who doesn't do that, who's rebellious, that is a weak man. And a weak man is the most dangerous man on the earth because a weak man doesn't care about anyone else's feelings, emotions, relationship. He only cares about himself. So I walked out of that courtroom. That was my first faith encounter with God, being born again. After I got, I, I think I should. I said I got born again. Then that's when I told. I came home. I said, "Hey, I, I found Jesus." She said, "Bye, I'm gone." What? I thought when you come to God, things will be roses and beautiful. Yeah. Oh, you know what? The right partner. That was good. She left. Cause God gave me my true love. Amen. Amen. I was telling Mrs. Diana, that, that woman in heaven, I was still madly in love with her. Yeah. <laughs> I was still in love with her because she was sent from God. So listening to the spirit and following his direction. Here, look at this. We see in Job 9. Job chapter 9. Job chapter, I don't have Job chapter 9. I thought I had Job chapter 9. I could be wrong. I don't have Job chapter 9. <laughs> Patience. <laughs> That's the next teaching. Patience. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have Job chapter 9. Job chapter 9, verses uh, 32. We don't have Job chapter 9. Well, we got the scripture, so let's go to Job chapter. Oh, okay. Yeah, I ain't got time to be waiting for the devil. <laughs> I plead innocent. <laughs> <laughs> Mama didn't raise no dummy. <laughs> hey, man, I plead. Hey, hey, I'm the one studying this thing. You don't think I know this stuff, how this works? <laughs> yeah. Job chapter 9, 32. Look at this. For he is not a man. All right. Now, here, his brother Job, you know, he went, all his, all his children died, all his wealth burned up. He got boils from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. He's, Job's going through. All right. And Job is talking. He said, for, for he talking about God, God is not a man who I can deal with face to face and plead my case. Why well, am I going through this? Because you said I'm righteous. I served you. I loved you. He says, for he is not a man as I am that I could answer him. And we should come together in judgment. We can reason this thing out together. Why well, I'm going through, Lord, what's happening? 
neither is there any daysman betwixt us. Now, that word daysman is an interesting word in the Hebrew. You know what daysman means? Attorney. He said, neither this, I only have an attorney. I only have Jeff here to fight my case, Lord. You know, give me somebody betwixt us that might lay his hand upon us both. Because Joe, Joe was going through. Then Job 16 and 21. He said, oh, that one might plead for a man with God. Job said, can I find somebody who can plead my case? Well, we have somebody. Jesus. He's our mediator. Only thing you got to do is keep your mouth shut and let him plead your case. Whatever comes your way, just let him plead your case. He said, oh, that one might plead for a man with God as a man pleaded for his neighbor. So how do we plead? You plead innocent because of the blood of Jesus. You don't start speaking the circumstances of what you when we walk by faith, not by sight. I don't care. I, I know that pain is excruciating. But don't start saying, oh, I think I got cancer. No, you don't. By his strife, you are healed. Let him plead. And if you keep speaking things that are contrary to the word of God. When you start doing that, you'll find yourself start walking in disobedience. And when we walk in disobedience and rebellion, then God has to execute judgment. And when he executes this judgment and the curse comes, God is not happy about it. Lamentations 3, 31 to 36. It is of the Lord's mercy that we are not consumed because his compassion fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, said my soul. Therefore, will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly. <laughs> so y'all think I'm even making this stuff up. Quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. He sitteth alone and keepeth silence because he hath borne it upon him. He put his mouth in the dust, if so be there may be hope. He giveth his cheek to him that smited him. He's filled, he's filled full with reproach. For the Lord would not cast off forever. But though he caused grief, yet will he have compassion 
according to the multitudes of his mercies. For he does not afflict willingly. Look at this. God is not allowing the curse willingly. God is not excited. Okay, I want to put the curse on you. No. He gives us numerous. God has compassion. He has mercy. He's trying to, 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 to get us to the point where we come to repentance. Before he does not afflict willingly nor grieve the children of men. To crush under his feet all the prisoners of the earth. God is not trying to destroy everybody. He wants everybody to come to repentance. But if you don't, he has to execute judgment. To turn aside the right of a man before the face of the most high. To subvert a man in his cause. The Lord approveth not. Go to Lamentation 3 and 22. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. It is God's grace and mercy where we, sh you know, we could have been wiped out a long time ago. Because his compassions fails not. But whenever we see a Christian who's, who's under the curse, we know that God is executing his judgment. Judgment is here now. Because the curse will only come about because of judgment. So he does not afflict us willingly. 1 Corinthians 11. One morning we'll close. First Corinthians chapter 11, verses 29 to 32. This is uh, here. Paul talks. This is what we we use for when it's time for taking communion. OK. And he says, for he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body for this cause. Many are weak sickly among you, and many sleep or have died. Why is that? Because God executed his judgment. We don't know. You know, we see, we see, you know, it's just like, you know, you see a married couple who've been married for 20, 30 years, and all of a sudden they end up in a divorce court. And, you, and we all surprised, like, what did you hear? They got a divorce. We don't know what build up to that point. So when we see certain executions of judgment in individual life, we don't know how long God has been dealing with that person to get them to come to cause them to come to repentance. We don't know. But he is a just ju just judge. He's righteous. His judgment is just. It is righteous. We don't know how long God been. We looking at, oh, that person died. Oh, but they love Jesus. How you know they love Jesus? Well, they hand out cookies to the children on Sunday morning. 
Yeah, pedophiles do that. They can hand cookies to the kids. Do that mean they love Jesus? How do you know that you love Jesus? You would do what I say. That's how we know. You. That's how you know when you love Jesus or not. Are you doing what he said? So Paul said, for this cause, many are weak, sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we judge, now this is how you, we can stop the execution of judgment from God. For if we judge ourselves, judge yourself. If you judge yourself, we ain't got to get God's judgment. We judge ourselves. So when the Holy Spirit is convicting you, and if you're overriding the witness, and you're not judging yourself, I ain't do nothing wrong. Why are they always picking on me? What did I do? I try, you know, I try to do the right thing. Who said? Why are they always picking on me? Why are they always calling me out? Why I got to do this? Well, that tells you right then and there that he's talking about you. So what the Holy Ghost is trying, he's trying to get you to judge yourself. It's better for us to judge ourselves than God's judgment. Because when we judge ourselves, we can receive mercy. <laughs> we judge Lord, I did it. Oh, Lord, I was honoring nasty. I just, Lord, I shouldn't have done it. I'm sorry, Father, forgive me. Mercy is extended. Yes. Thank you, Lord. But if you say, yeah, she, she deserves it. All up in my business. No, that's not demonstration. That's not faith working by love. Judge yourself. Because if you don't judge yourself, God's judgment's coming. And once God's judgment comes, that gives the enemy access to bring you the botch or the itch. For if we judge ourselves, look at this, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chasing of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. What if, right, look at that. That we should not be condemned with the world. We're not going to get what the world is going to get. Why? Because Christ has redeemed me from the curse of law when I judge myself. Amen. And then God comes and judge me. That's his judgment. Look at that. His judgment is a chastening. Hebrews says the chastening of the Lord. That means it's like a teacher instructing his students, correcting. You take the math test. Two plus two, you put six. The teacher said, that's not six. It's four. You mess up. That's chastening. 
That's God's changing. So the Holy Spirit will come to you. Yeah, you know, you shouldn't have said that. You should <laughs> repent and be nice. You, yes, Lord, you're right. I should, I'm judging myself. But if you override your spirit, yeah, two plus two is six. I don't care what you said. But no, no, it's wrong. Two, yeah. Now you have not received the chastening of the Lord. So now the judgment of the Lord is coming. Now this sickness come out of this no out of nowhere, and then you have you hear Christians say, "Why is this happening to me? This ain't fair." Yeah, he is the righteous judge. Oh, y'all don't want to work with me tonight. I got one more scripture, and I'll let y'all go. It's hot in here. Oh. I'm supposed to be the Holy Ghost. First Corinthians five. Now look at this. <laughs> what is the, the judgment of the Lord? Allow the enemy to come up. Why? Because it's not for your spirit. It's to get your rebellious flesh. That's why you got your, your spirit is trying to say, repent, repent, get it right. But your flesh, remember, your flesh ain't saved. Your soul is ready, ain't saved. So he allowed the judgment to come, permit to get your flesh. First Corinthians 5. See, you got these preachers now, they're preaching all this grace message, but they're ignoring judgment. Grace, 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 grace. Grace, 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 love, love, grace, grace. What about judgment? Because look at this. First Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Paul is talking to the church at Corinth. Now, this is, remember, this is a spirit-filled church here. They say, walk, walking in the gifts, speaking in tongues, walking by faith, <coughs> manifesting prosperity, healing, all this stuff. And Paul had to write two letters to them. <laughs> and right here he said, it is reported commonly commonly that there is fornication among you. Y'all just fornicate. And such fornication as it's not so much as name among the Gentile. Y'all fornicating the world ain't fornicating the way y'all fornicate. What's wrong? And y'all love Jesus. And this fornication, if you study this, it's not talking about man or female. It's talking about Homosexuality. Hmm. Now, then he says, then he gives, he pulled out an example. He said, let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. That one should have his father's wife. Hey, he's laying up with his daddy's wife, his stepmama. What kind of stuff is that? And look at this. And ye are puffed up. And have not rather mourned, repented. And that's why we got this homosexuality so strong in the churches now, because churches from years and years ago never dealt with the deacons sleeping with the women in the church. They got puffed up. Well, you know, man gonna be a man. What? We didn't deal with that stuff. And tell them, well, we don't want the homosexuals in the praise team. Well, you got these non-tithing 
fornicating deacons, preachers, and nobody don't want to deal with So they puffed up and have not rather mourned that he that have done this deed might be taken away from among you. There you see, I tell you, I got scripture. I can fire you in a minute. Put you out. You know, if we have some Ananias, Sapphire situations in the church, I think some people get right. Because we just allow all this stuff. We just allow, we call in the curses, the blessing. Read on. For I verily, as absent in the body, Paul said, I'm not physically there with you, but present in the spirit, I have judged this matter already, as though I was present concerning him that has so done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together in my spirit and with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, to deliver the guy who sleep with his daddy's wife. This is my judgment. In the name of Jesus, in the power of the Holy Ghost, this is how you pray. To deliver such a one unto Satan. You already know that was in your holy writ. He said, deliver such a one unto Satan. How is one is delivered to the devil? When God brings judgment and allow the enemy to bring the curse. Deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh. That the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. How many field churches would we have if the pastor get up and say, I'm delivering y'all to the devil? What? I'm taking my and leave. What are you going to deliver from the devil? That's word on it. So that your spirit can be saved. Because your flesh, you do not want to keep your flesh under control. You don't want to crucify the flesh. That is what Paul calls in Romans chapter 8, a carnal-minded Christian. So maybe that could have been the explanation why we have seen so many believers be wiped out. Because God knows they ain't going to get their flesh under. So let me just bring them on home with me. They don't want to get it under. With long suffering. The book of Revelation, he said, I gave Jezebel a time and space to repent. So Paul said, hey, this is how you pray for this, brother. Satan take his, destroy his flesh so that his spirit will be saved. He might have just gone home be with the Lord because he don't, he don't want to act right. How can that become an effective witness? And you just, just fornicating. You ain't controlling your flesh. 
And you're not allowing the spirit to control your flesh. And guess what? We, we see that now. 2023. Not realizing that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Thanks for listening to Faith in the Word podcast. If the Word of God has been a blessing to you today and you want to give unto the ministry, Please feel free, Pilgrim Missionary Baptist Church, 600 Bellwood Road, Louisville, Kentucky, 40223. Or email Pastor Holloway directly at CecilHolloway at Yahoo.com with more options for electronic giving. Thanks for listening. Stay in faith and be blessed.